I bring you greetings this morning from Prisca Laguerre, her twin daughters, Judith and Julie, who are feverishly working to continue to advance the ministry of Haitian Christian Ministries while they serve uh, their people in the country of Haiti. I also bring you greetings from our outgoing president of our board, Tyler Harry, and our new president of the board, Tom Moss. Tom has been our forwarding agent for a, a couple of years and uh, has felt God's call to uh, do even more to help support the ministry of, of Haitian Christian Ministries. And they send their greetings. And then I spent most of the day yesterday and Friday afternoon with some guy named Mark Zimmerman. I don't know who he is, but he sends his greetings as well. He told me last night as I was leaving the restaurant after our board meeting, well, be sure to tell the congregation at Chatham that Mark said hi. And I said, I will, so hi from Mark. I really like him. He's such a great guy. He's just so soft-spoken and mild-mannered and so good at what uh, God has uh, gifted him with to, to do to help that church and to, to help the uh, ministry of Haitian Christian Ministries. And we had other officer uh, elections, and we locked the door and said, Mark, there is no vote for you. You are the treasurer again because you're so good at helping us control those funds. So he's blessing us in that way as well. Thank you for your work as a congregation as you poured into him your love and your teaching and your encouragement and your nudging along to, to be a servant, a full-time servant for the Lord. Um, Pastor Rick mentioned earlier that, that God called me out of retail of all things. I was the general manager of a Best Buy store that was growing. The company was growing by leaps and bounds. And it was just amazing how I just felt like I was finally in a place. And how many of you get our newsletter? Well, you can, if you don't get our newsletter, you can sign up for it either online or snail mail. But my wife and I just returned from Haiti two weeks ago and we wrote the latest article on kind of our journey. Of, of where we got started in Haitian Christian ministries. And the title of our little story is called Kicking and Screaming. That's how I went to Haiti, kicking and screaming. So um, it's an honor to, to be here and to be a part of the congregation this morning. Uh, as I was preparing this message, uh, I came across an old journal. We always tell short-term mission trip uh, participants to journal their time that they're in Haiti. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I remember it said, um, we took off from Eastview Church at 4.10 a.m. Friday, November the 11th, 1988. And I remember standing out there freezing, having a prayer circle, but there was 125 people. There was only 27 of us that went on that trip. But there were another 100 people that had gotten up at the crack of dawn to come and pray with us to support us as we I took off, and I think we uh, drove to St. Louis and then flew to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and then went up to the Haitian Christian Ministries. And, and I kind of poured through this and looked at some of the experiences and tried to recall how this all got started for me. Uh, never thought that my, my wife said, you know, if, if you would have told me 25 years ago that my husband was going to be in the ministry, I would have said to you, am I going to get a different husband? because he's uh, kind of climbing the, the corporate ladder at Sears and, and Best Buy. And, and you're talking about Rick, you know, and, and bless her heart, she was right, because I wasn't even focused on that. 
I remember when I was immersed, I was immersed in Western Heights Christian Church in Carbondale, Illinois, back in the early 70s. I was in my 30s, and, and um, we were wanting to join that church, and the question was, were you an immersed believer? And I said, well, I had been sprinkled when I was, uh, I think, 12. I remember the Saturday. We had spaghetti for lunch, and I remember the, the next day we came up, and, and the minister uh, baptized me with a rose. I remember that, and gave it to my mother, and you know, said, press this and keep this or whatever. I remember all that, and I remembered why I did that. And yet, as I grew older in my faith and began to learn more, I found out with Steve Kimbrell, I don't know if you ever knew Steve. Steve's in Canton, Ohio. Um, he said, could I come over and share with you what it means to have a, a, a true faith in the Lord? And... Uh, we went through the peace treaty, John Hendy's peace treaty, and at, at the end of the third session, he said, what have you learned? And I said, I need to be immersed. So I was immersed uh, in the early 70s, but it took a number of years for God to really speak to me in such a way uh, to help me understand what church is all about and what it means to have a, a true walk with the Lord. Over the years, I learned about, by the way, there's a, a Outline in your bulletin this morning if you want to, there's like five fill-in-the-blanks if you're interested in doing that. I, I learned a lot about how churches function. I learned how a church can come alongside a believer and help you grow and become a stronger believer. Um, so what's the purpose of the church? And I learned there were like five areas, worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship and ministry and some churches are really strong in fellowship and some are really strong in discipleship and some are really strong in missions and over the years I've had opportunity to be in churches that are strong in all areas because there had been people in the congregation that had helped those different parts of how a church is organized to become strong and I've learned over the years uh, why it's important to celebrate missions in the church uh, back uh, shortly after my baptism, a man by the name of Michael Card, he's a Christian singer, wrote a song called Joy in the Journey. Do you remember that song? There's a joy in the journey. Um, I've got the words here. There is a light we can love on the way. There is a wonder and wildness in life and freedom for those who obey. All those who seek it shall find it, a pardon for all who believe. Hope for the hopeless and sight for the blind to all who have been born of the Spirit. And it said, do you remember what it was like when you were without the Lord? And the idea of that song was, there is joy in the journey. And people used to ask about my joy in the journey. Now, I was climbing the corporate ladder, and that was important for me. But I saw people that had joy, and, and I felt sometimes like my Christianity was kind of weighing me down and, and, and weighing heavy on me. Um, I believe that being a Christian should be a joyful thing. And I believe that getting involved in this church's missions program could help bring that joy back into your life or bring joy into your life like you've never seen before. 1987, um, I mentioned that earlier when uh, Rick introduced me about my wife and Easter Sunday and what happened. Well, a gentleman came in 1988 in the spring named Stan Lawrence. Stan was from Wichita, Kansas, 
He was a, a good friend of Rose Johansson, who was a good friend of Emmanuel Aguirre. And Stan preached a sermon called Plan to Go But Be Willing to Stay, Developing a Heart for Missions in Your Church. And um, I listened intently, and my wife came up to me afterwards, and she said, um, I, I'm going to go to Haiti in the fall. And I said, oh? She, I said, what, what are those dates? And she said, November 11th. I said, well, I really don't think you can go. And she said, and why is that? And I said, well, because that's a really important time in retail. You know, the Christmas sales and those kinds of things. And that's important that I be there. And because I can't go, you can't go, enough said. And she said, well, that's got nothing to do with me. And I thought, who is this woman that I, and, she, and we were probably that, by that year, in December of that year, we would have celebrated 20 years of marriage. And I said, well, I just don't think that's going to work out because I can't go. She said, well, I'm going. So I said, well, I'll talk to my boss. I wasn't the store manager at Sears, but I'll, I'll talk to my boss. And I went to my boss and I said, well, here's what's going on. And I just know that, that I'm not going to be able to go. And it was a lady store manager. And she said, you know, if you don't have your act together by October 15th for the Christmas season, you'll be in big trouble so November is too late to begin to prepare for the Christmas season. You'll have everything set up by then. I don't see any reason why you can't go. <laughs> I went, well, fine, okay. So I told my wife, I, I guess we're going to go. And I told you about the prayer circle. Well, that was my first trip to Haiti. And as some might say, I ain't been the same since. It got into my heart that God was talking to me about doing something big, but I didn't understand what it was. And I've learned that serving God through a missions or outreach program at a church will reveal at least five reasons why you can and should celebrate missions and outreach in your church. And it will also help you discover your joy in the journey. You get an opportunity sometimes to go on a short-term mission trip. How many have gone on a short-term mission trip? How many would like to go on a short-term mission trip? Absolutely. It's, it's an awesome way to see the rest of the world. The world's really shrinking. Um, when we went on our first mission trip, we learned that when we got to the field that we served the same God. And you're saying, well, duh, of course you serve the same God, whether you're in Piat Village in Haiti whether you're in Bloomington Normal or Chatham, Illinois, or where I live in Chandler, Arizona, you serve the same God. Colossians 3 says, Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you as an inheritance, as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples how that really came to light. Um, I served a ministry years ago called TCM International. They have a seminary at House Edelweiss outside Vienna, Austria. And on Saturday night, when the students would gather, we would gather around the campfire. And because they were European, they didn't know how to roast marshmallows. They don't have marshmallows in Europe. We would always have to ship them over to House Edelweiss, and we would show them how to put it on a stick. And they would stick the marshmallows in the fire and it would catch fire, and they would just watch it burn, and they said, now what do we do? 
We said, well, you've got to blow it out, but don't put it in your mouth yet because it's too hot. So we would teach, and we had fun with that. And, of course, everybody got sticky on the face. And then the guitars came out. Campfire began to get a little lower, a little, little later on that Saturday night. And we began to sing songs, and they knew some, some songs in English, but mostly in Hungarian and Polish. And, and we didn't have any Westerners then, so it was, we didn't hear German. But we heard Russian. We heard Belarusian. We heard uh, the language from Estonia and on and on and on. And then we would um, sing Amazing Grace in four or five different languages. And if that was not an indication that we serve the same God, I don't know what is. It's either trip number two or number three. We were in Haiti, and my wife woke up in the middle of the night, and she was freezing. Now, that's difficult to do in the country of Haiti. It's hot all the time. Had a, a little old lady that I knew at the church in Carmel, Indiana, that I served. She always wanted to know when we were going to Hades. When are you going to Hades? And I said, it's Haiti. Well, she said, oh, Haiti. Yes, but when are you going to Hades? Because she knew it was hot there. And she woke up in the middle of the night and she was freezing. And we're not still this, to this day. We don't know what happened. But um, the next morning, we took her into the church. We slept in the church, and we took a couple of the heavy wooden pews, and we made a bed for her and put a mattress on that bed right underneath one of the ceiling fans so she could cool off. And then she kind of dozed off, and she was not doing well at all. She was very, very sick. And she said sometime in the morning she was awakened by voices, and she knew it was Creole, and the elders of the church had all been called, and they were standing holding hands around her praying for her, and she was up on her feet in an hour wanting to go back to work. We serve the same God. And you say, well, that's, that's a dub, but sometimes you don't realize that until that's all you got. My recommendation is that you need to go on a mission trip. Paul Brand, who is a hand surgeon, uh, wrote a little uh, devotional in my men's devotional Bible. And it's called A Luxuriant Body. He said, Whenever I travel overseas, I am struck anew by the world's incredible diversity. And the churches overseas are now beginning to show that cultural self-expression. For too long, they were bound up in Western ways, as the early church had been bound up in Jewish ways, so that hymns, dress, architecture, and church names were all the same all around the world. Now, these indigenous churches are bursting out with their own spontaneous expressions of worship to God. I must guard against picturing the body of Christ as composed only of American or British cells. It's far grander and far more luxurious than that. I have learned that when God looks upon his body spread like an archipelago throughout the world, he sees the whole thing, and I think he understanding the cultural backgrounds and the true intent of the worshipers likes the variety that he sees. And then he goes on to talk about how their worship was different. Our 30th anniversary celebration in January of 2015 was four hours and 20 minutes long. But it was beautiful. Bands, choirs, banners, parades, two or three sermons. And it just went on and on, and it was glorious and gorgeous. It was very cultural down there. And we had uh, 
uh, a pastor and a, a missions pastor and one of his mission volunteers from one of the other church locations uh, that went with us. And we all stood up and kind of did this. When the church service was over and I turned around, I said, well, Matt, he said, you got to love culture. And we did because it was a most glorious service, a most worshipful celebration. Uh, so it was awesome. Uh, you know, I think we really begin to show faith in God when we begin to listen and respond more to God speaking to us. I, I think maybe, I loved it, it says in, in, in the bulletin uh, that this message time is called listening. And, and I have learned a little bit over the years how to listen better. Um, when we served the church in Carmel, Indiana, a clinical psychologist came in and taught us uh, some ways to handle people that were in, in real uh, stressful situations, in crisis situations. And the number one thing he taught us how to do was to listen. He said, in order for you to respond appropriately to someone, you need to listen. In order to respond appropriately to God, you've got to listen. You've got to listen to what he says to you. And that took me a long time. And finally, I think I might have had, and I continue to have, aha moments when he speaks to me. Well, we serve the same God. And secondly, when we celebrate and embrace missions in the church, the church's outreach efforts are enhanced. Acts 1.8 says, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. We were going down the road from Piat on trip number two. And we had a a lawyer, she was a a legal assistant to the lawyers at State Farm Insurance in Bloomington, Illinois. Her name's Candy Renetti, and she lives in Palm Springs now. And we're we're going down the road, and we go up to this hut. And she said, Rick White, if you would have told me six months ago that I would be in Haiti, and that's when the ladies were all wearing long skirts, until one day Briscoe said, why do you wear long skirts? Well, we thought we had to. She goes, oh, no, not at all. So they all became short skirts. But anyway, she said, if you would have told me that I'm getting ready to knock on the door of this Haitian and share Christ with him or her, whoever comes in, she said, I would have told you you're out of your mind. And she turns around with a big smile and knocks on the door. And she says, bonjour. He says, bonjour. Como oué? Como ça va? And she says, do you know Jesus through an interpreter? She was changed because she said yes. She listened to God. Um, Vicki Steele is a nurse that we took to Haiti in 2002. And she said, how many trips is this for you and Susie? And I said, nine. Yeah, nine. She said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, it kind of gets in your blood. And all of a sudden we heard a, a little motorcycle outside and there was a young man riding, it was a moped, riding this moped, and he was as close to the handlebars as he could get. Behind him was a lady that was very sick, ashen gray. She was so sick. And then behind her was one more person, and they kind of sandwiched her in there because she was really sick. She was having an asthma attack. Brought her into one of the rooms, and saw and Vicky's an emergency room nurse and she is spectacular at what she does. And she looked at me and she said, start praying, Rick. This doesn't look good. She went into the pharmacy and she was looking for a, a breathing treatment 
that she would use in the States, something that in a crisis situation like this would cause this woman to continue to live. And she said, this, this is tense. And she said, you better get more to pray. So we continued to pray. And we got, came around the woman and we kind of grabbed her arm and we prayed for her. And she went, Vicki went back into the pharmacy and she said, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And she's not a kind of person that, you know, helter skelter, oh, I can't find anything. She's used to this kind of stuff. So she knows where things are. And before we even started the medical clinic, she knew where all of the different treatments were. But this, who's medical? Sol, Salmedutrol or something like that. And it wasn't there. She went back in there after we'd been praying for just a few minutes. And she opened the drawer. It was there. It was not there before. Where did that come from? Only the Lord knows. She gave that woman the treatment. She stabilized. She was back on her feet in 30 minutes. Wow. That really brings home who this Lord is that we serve. It will help you get involved in a missions program because you're going to get a chance to share your faith with someone. Do you know how to do that? I learned years ago a a program called Evangelism Explosion where you ask the two questions. Have you done that before? Have you come to a place in your life where you know for sure if you died tonight you'd go to heaven? And if you were to die and you went to one of the gates and they said, Lee, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell that person? And I said, and that will give you an opportunity. So we would teach that to the short-term missionaries. So when they had the opportunity to share their faith with someone, They had an organized way to do that. We know what we believe, and we know that we believe. We know that we know that we believe. But sometimes we don't know how to share that with someone in such a way that you could cause them to come to Christ. So being a part of a missions program could actually really help what's going on in Chatham, Illinois, as you reach out to people you know they don't know the Lord. We are an open door. Reggie White, you've heard of him. He's a great former NFL football player who is now in heaven, a great man of God. He said, we are walking witnesses for Jesus Christ wherever we go. How can we do less than witness with all of our heart? Our styles may be different, but the intensity shouldn't be. I know all Christians can't do it in the same manner as I do, but I have no choice but to do it with all my heart. A.C. Green is a Christian brother who played basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. He told me that a reporter once asked him, how could a Christian play a game like NBA basketball, a game with so much physical contact? A.C.'s response was that his life on the basketball court is the same as his life off the hardwood. He's going to be aggressive and give it all he's got both on the court and off the court to win games for the team, and to win people to Christ. God has given me an incredible platform, Reggie says, as an NFL professional football player. The reason I'm in Philadelphia today, and when he wrote this, he was in Philadelphia, and then he went on to the Green Bay Packers, and he may be playing football in heaven. I don't know whether they have football in heaven or not. You NFLers, they say, boy, they better. But anyway, but God wants me to serve him right here, right now. And any time I have a chance to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, I'm going to do it, period. We serve the same God. The church's outreach program will be enhanced. It will be energized. And serving a missions program at a church will shrink the size of the world. Mark 16:15. Jesus said, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. 
A number of years ago, IBM wrote on the head of a pen, IBM. And the reason they did that, they were beginning to introduce something called nanotechnology, which is minuscule ways to, to, to transmit data. And that was a big deal. And then, wow, look at this. And here was this straight pen, little bitty straight pen blown up. And on the top of the straight pen um, said IBM. And, of course, the world was, was just amazed by that. Uh, in 2007, I saw an article that um, scientists inscribe the entire Bible on the head of a pen. Again, to show that technology is going to get small. When you think about I remember my first data processing class when I was in college. Manfred Schaus was his name. He was in charge of data processing at Mead Johnson in Evansville, Indiana. And it was a night class I was taking, and he came in one night like the cat that ate the canary, and he had this big smile on his face, and we said, what's going on, Prof? We just got the IBM 360 installed today, and it's beautiful. 23 air conditioners to keep it cool. Do you know there is more technology in a cheap phone, cell phone, than there is in that IBM 360? So what, you say? Let me tell you how easy it is to communicate with missionaries on the field now. I got a call one day, and it was from um, a man by the name of, of Law, last name Law, who was an India missionary, David Law. He said, uh, Brother Rick, this is David. <clears throat> I said, David, are you in town? No. He said, I'm in New Delhi. I said, You're, are you calling me on a, a landline? He goes, no, on my cell phone. I said, my goodness, it's better than my Verizon signal here in, in uh, Indiana. And we just had the nicest conversation. And then I got a call from a guy in, in, uh, he's in Italy, but he gave me a, a stateside phone number to call him. So I was putting a calling code for the country of Italy in front of it. But it was a vantage. We can communicate. And therefore, when people are out on the mission field and need encouragement, we can communicate with them because of technology that's been created by God through people that he's lifted up to do that. What a great opportunity to reach out and encourage a missionary. And that's an important thing to do. Um, the reality of the fact that the world is shrinking, however, could cause some discomfort. Uh, there was a, a young man who felt called into the ministry. He heard somebody perhaps at a church or a missionary speak, and he said, I need to investigate what it would be like to serve the people in South America. So his first stop, he wanted to visit Latin American countries. His first stop was Buenos Aires, Argentina. He stayed at the hotel, and they arranged to have a taxi for him the next morning. And he was trying to communicate to the taxi driver the address of the church, but somehow uh, there was something lost in translation. And all he could see is they drove around were these great big tall cathedrals, and he was really wanting to go to a Protestant church. And he just really felt like God was calling him, and he listened, and he was on the field to check it out. And finally, he saw something because he saw a small cross, and he thought, maybe this is it. So he kind of kind of tapped the guy on the shoulder and said, uh, stop, uh, Halto, uh, stop. And he goes, oh, oh. And so he got out and went into the church while the service had already started. And it was pretty packed out. So he came in and he had to sit like on the row, third row. And um, 
Of course, everything was in Spanish, and he spoke no Spanish at all. And so he kind of watched what was going on and thought, well, I don't want to appear stupid. So he saw a young man that was in front of him, and he was the only person in front of him. So he figured whatever he did, he would do. Oh, it was going beautifully, and it was very formal. Uh, Often they would stand, and then they would sit, and then they would kneel. And so he just watched this young man, and everything was going well. He was just trying to get the flavor of the service. Well, he figured the service was getting close to the end, and they sang a song, and they all sat down, and then the preacher came back up on the platform and said a few words, and this young man stood up, and the missionary wannabe behind him stood up also, and everybody in the congregation started laughing, and he turned around, and they were the only two standing in the entire congregation. So he immediately sat down and just wanted the floor to open up so he could hide and didn't move, and the service was over, and people were still chuckling. So the preacher came down, and he said, uh, you don't speak Spanish, do you? He said, no, sir, I don't, but I think I've done something terrible. He said, you want to know what happened? He said, sure. He said, well, I mentioned to the congregation that Sister Rodriguez had had a baby boy yesterday, and I asked a proud father to stand. (laughs) We serve the same God. This church's outreach program, your personal outreach program, will be enhanced if you get involved in a missions program here at Chatham. We shrink the size of the world, and if we participate, we'll also live a life of peace. There's a church in Southern California that has defined their missions program as P-E-A-C-E. It's an acronym. There's personal peace, local peace, and then there's global peace. And personal peace is uh, how you enhance your, your personal walk. Local is through your small group. You reach out and perhaps work at a food kitchen. And in global peace, perhaps your entire small group will go to Haiti one time. P, that stands for promote reconciliation and plant churches. You say, oh, no, wait, oh, no, wait a second, that's for, that's for pastors, those that have been to seminary and know how to do that. Well, no, you can plant a church in your home by being a host for a small group. And host stands for something. You know, the Christian church, we have a lot of acronyms. H is for have a heart for people. O is to open your home. S is serve refreshments. And T is turn on the DVD player and put in a Christian teaching. So it's real easy to plant a church. E stands for equipped servant leaders. 2 Timothy 2, pass on what you've heard from me to the whole congregation to reliable leaders who are competent to serve each other. A servant leader leads like Jesus did from his heart. There's a book called Lead Like Jesus, and they talk about ego. And when you have ego in serving, what you're doing is edging God out. So don't have an ego. A is assist the poor. 1 John 3:17. if you see someone in need and have means to do something about it and do nothing... Where's God's love being demonstrated in you? Have you ever reached out to someone and helped a poor family with perhaps Christmas, provided Christmas for them? Um, this is a very wealthy county. You know where Sang- this is Sangamon County? You know where Sangamon County ranks? In the- There's 102 counties in the state of Illinois. And where do you think Sangamon County ranks in terms of affluence? Number 10. 10 out of 102. So this is by 
the rest of the world's standards and by others who have less than we do is, is a very affluent county. So it would be a great way to reach out and, and touch someone. Care for the sick is C. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We visited a, a couple who lived way out in the kind of on the desert in Arizona. And the last name was Detweiler. And I remember he came to the door and, and we were part of the church and we were just visiting him. And we talked for a while and he came in and he told us that he was taking care of his sick wife. She was really bedridden. And we didn't realize until after we left that he was blind. Here's a man who needs help himself, and yet he's reaching out, caring for the sick. And E is educate the next generation. Proverbs 22, 6. Teach the children how they should live, and they will remember it all their lives. Husbands and wives, you know the best thing you can do for your kids is to actively love each other. Demonstrate to your children how much you love your spouse, and that's a great way to teach them. We serve the same God. The church's outreach efforts will be enhanced. Being involved in this church's missions program will shrink the size of the world. And it's a command. Go. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Bishop Wellington Boone said, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Listen to God speaking into your life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell the people the good news about God's grace. Is God speaking to you this morning? There's joy in being a Christian. And if you would get involved in this church's missions and outreach program, I can guarantee you, you'll have a greater joy in serving the Lord. And in a, in a closing story, uh, one of my favorite stories, um, true story, E. Stanley Jones uh, was a missionary, Methodist missionary, and the importance of being attentive to God speaking to you and guidance as he speaks to you is best illustrated by this story. E. Stanley Jones worked with the people of India. And every year, in order to keep his ministry going, he would spend two weeks visiting one city for breakfast, a second city for lunch, and a third city for supper. And then he would get on an airplane that night and fly to another group of cities and do the same thing. And he did that for two straight weeks, thereby getting enough support, financial support, for the next year. He finished up one night, and he hurried to the airport, and as he got close to, to getting to the area where he was going to board the plane, he heard over the loudspeaker that the flight had been oversold, and they were looking for volunteers to give up their seat. So he got in line so he could get his boarding pass, and he thought that he heard God speak to him, saying, get out of line. He thought, no, that can't be God because he knows how important that if I don't, this is the last flight of the day. And if I don't get on this flight, I'm going to miss it. I can't wait till tomorrow and I'll miss at least two very important meetings. And I, those are vital to the continuation of this ministry. I'm sure that wasn't God talking to me. So he got a little bit closer. And then again, he thought he heard God say, get out of line. 
And he thought, well, that's just my imagination and, you know, how you try to rub your imagination out of your brain. And he was the next person to step up to the counter to get his boarding pass. And in no uncertain terms, he heard, get out of line. Almost like someone's. So he got out of line and decided he would not go on that flight and he gave up his seat. Well, that plane took off and it crashed. And everybody on board that plane was killed. Well, E. Stanley Jones was very well known as a missionary to India. And when the news media found out that he was on that plane, but then he wasn't on that plane, they rushed to interview him and said, what happened? And then he explained to them how he had heard a voice and he really felt like it was the voice of God. And that's why he decided not to fly. And they were incensed. They said, you mean to tell me that you're the only person that God loved enough in that airport to speak to to save your life? That's just wrong. He said, no, please don't hear that at all. There's no question in my mind that God speaks to all of us somehow, some way, even through other people. But you see, I was the only person that was listening. I don't know whether God has spoken to you about serving him in a greater way. Um, 22 years ago, I said yes and moved out of a retail career into a, a much more fulfilling time of serving God. And maybe even this morning, there's someone here that has never, ever taken that first step of saying yes to God to become one of his forever family members. I'm not sure where you are. Um, that's kind of what we're doing in Haiti. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to help us educate the children. Pastor Mano, God rest his soul, said the only answer for Haiti is through education. That's what's going to make the difference. We have 24 pictures over there. And if you don't, and by the way, thank you. So many of you already sponsor a child, and thank you for doing that. If you've never done that before, we have those opportunities for you to sign up on the sheet, pick a picture, look at the back, there's the number, and give us your information. Then you can hang on to the picture. And I would really just love to take the sheets back with me and not the picture. But you and God talk about that and see. But however God's talking to you this morning, whether it's today or tomorrow, um, Listen to what he's saying and step out and be available for his use. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this church. Thank you for the teaching, for the leadership. Thank you for all of these folks, Father, that listen to you and, and serve you in so many ways, not only in the church, but in the community. Father, thank you for the people of this church that have stepped up to help your uh, people of Haiti. Uh, what a poor country it is, but we are so grateful and so thankful for their hearts for Haiti. Father, thank you for your patience with us as you continue to mold us and shape us into the people you want us to be. And I know your goal for us that we be Christ-like. And for that, we are thankful and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.